Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We stream live on YouTube, we on Facebook, and of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Steel. Boom! It's Friday, people. And we got a good show lined up for you. Coming up today, we're going to preview preseason week two Cowboys Seahawks up there in Seattle and what to watch for. Some guys that need to keep stacking, some guys that we need to see more from. Plus, in the roundup, I found a very interesting stat that with a few tweaks, with some health, we should be able to see this increase and we should be able to see the passing game uh, get better because because of it. Plus, we are going to hear from the coordinators who spoke yesterday uh, at Oxnard, their final interview, the final presser out there at Oxnard. And Dan Quinn, he said something that, now he didn't say anything, actually. He responded to something and he was not too thrilled about it. But I think Cowboys Nation, you should be. So, uh, call in if you want today. It should be a fairly easy show, smooth show. Uh, we'll get through the roundup. We'll get through the meat potatoes of the show. And then I want to hear from y'all. 351-999-3787. Good morning, Bomb Squad. Bomb Squad! How y'all doing on this wonderful Friday? Uh, we got some Cowboys football tomorrow. It is 9. I want to say 9 o'clock Central, I believe they play. So it's going to be a late one. We'll be up tweeting through the whole thing. Ask Scott Walker still. Uh, you know what? Actually, no. I'm trying to work on something here in preseason. It ain't going to work during the regular season. But I'm trying to not tweet as much through the game because you get so many crazy emotions on Twitter. Uh, but usually I do like a halftime breakdown and then maybe after the fact. We'll talk a little bit about something. But nonetheless, it's a late game slated tomorrow. Uh, what's that? 10 o'clock Eastern, which is crazy. I feel bad for you on the East Coast. But nonetheless, still 9 o'clock Central isn't that much better. So uh, we'll be checking it out, man. We'll be checking it out. But uh, yeah, man, we st- Eastside, look, Eastside, appreciate you being in here, dog. I mean, I've never seen a Texan fan so dedicated to to watch Cowboys content. It is, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. That's exactly why we are America's team. Exactly why we're America's team. Now. Now that we've said hello, let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time! It's time for... It's time for the Morning Roundup. Round them up, boys. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you for a second, Cowboys Nation. Saw this stat that I came by yesterday. Uh, and it's today's stat of the day. Shouts out to, I believe it was, I want to make sure I don't got this wrong here. Warren Sharp does fantastic work putting together a lot of analytics and just researching every team every year. Stat of the day, percentage of QB pressures that turn into sacks. Dak Prescott last year ranked ninth in the NFL in avoiding sacks from pressure at 14.8%. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's a damn magician back there, was number one in the league at 10.8%. And this got me to thinking, because look, when you are behind 
the line that you were behind last year with injuries, with a, a, a left tackle who was playing left guard as a rookie all through camp, and then a week before the season, he's got to go out there. And then you got Tyron Smith playing a position he hadn't played in over a decade. You got a 40-year-old in and out of that lineup. You got a whole bunch of craziness going on in front of you. You got your right tackle, who, in my opinion, was on the way to the Pro Bowl. He gets hurt. To be able to still avoid sacks at this rate from pressures, to me, is very impressive. And it got me to thinking about when was the last time uh, Dak had a sack percentage that was really low? It was 2019. He was fourth in the NFL in sack percentage. So, I mean, this isn't the same stat, but it's similar in the sense of he avoided getting sacked as much as he did. And I thought that was a, a great year for him avoiding sacks because the year before that, if you guys remember, we had a big problem with Dak in regards to taking sacks. I think he took like 50-something sacks. It was kind of wild. Um, I could be I could be too high, but he took a lot of sacks. That was the year we did not have, I believe it was Frederick. Travis Frederick wasn't there. You had Joe Looney. You had some issues up front. You had injuries and all that stuff. And then you think now, though. You got year two with Tyler Smith. You got Tyron Smith back at his position for however many games that's going to be. Tyler Biotish is now steady. Your middle and right side is going to be steady. Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele. I truly do believe with, with health and with this offense being tweaked, right, where we're getting the ball out a little bit faster, we're more sure where guys are going to be, I can easily see this actually increasing to the, in, a, in a positive way where this sack percentage from pressures rises and where a sack percentage continues to dip down back to that 2019 area where he was top five. So do not be surprised if those two numbers uh, meet each other in a positive way, which which should mean that there should be a more efficient passing game. So very interesting and telling stat when you look at the way the offense uh, had operated last year and given the front line, and not even just the front line, right? Think about this for a second. Your wide receivers. I mean, you didn't have... Brandon Cooks out there where you can trust it to get the rock to like that with a Pat, not Patrick Mo, with a CD lamb. Your top three wideouts this year, you'll have a lot of trust in Michael Gallup returning from his injury. And then Jalen Tolbert, if he needs to be thrusted in there, there's obviously some growing trust there as well. So I expect the pressures turn into sacks to continue to rise in a good way. I mean, the percentage, right? And I'm sorry, decrease. Let me say that continue to decrease. And I expect the sack percentage to decrease as well because of three things. Better weapons, your line barring injury will be better, and then your scheme will assist in that. A lot there in that, in that statistic that you can kind of dive into. All right, let's get into these coordinators. And you're probably like, what do you mean Turpin safe, Sky? So the other day, let me bring you back here. Shouts out to the bomb squad. The other, somebody said they couldn't hear anything. Are, are we good here? See, I hate when I catch it over here. Are, are we good audio wise? Were we not good audio wise on the, on the uh, morning roundup? Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. If we good audio wise guys. We good. All right. Man, I'm killing me. Um, where was that? Okay. The other day. Kevonte Turpin, a caller called in, I think it was, and had a conversation of, hey, man, 
he's turping up out of here. I said, you know, I don't think he's going to be up out of here off of one preseason game, especially because they're trying to work him in from into the offense. And he fumbled on a special teams play where he wasn't supposed to be running that back. And I said, look, he's fine right now. But if he does that again, I think the conversation definitely grows louder probably within those walls. However, however, Bones Fossil spoke yesterday. And to me, it sounded like Kevontae Turpin was safe and that he expects Kevontae Turpin to be uh, uh, even better than he was last year. Not that that's a surprise to me that he's safe, but it, it kind of puts to rest anyone who kind of believed t- uh, Kevontae Turpin wouldn't be on this team. Now, things can change. You, you've got tomorrow and you've got preseason week three. If he goes out there, fumbles again, dropping balls, just looking terrible, the conversation may shift. But here's Bones Fossil talking about you know, what he expects from Kevontae Turpin um, going into 2023 and, you know, having a guy like Deuce Vaughn to kind of be able to help out in case something happens to uh, Turpin. Yeah, I think I think Turpin's the incumbent for sure, and I see him as the guy who's returning kickoffs and punts. And as Deuce continues to get some work, that he'll be he'll be right there too and give us, you know, an extra, an extra guy, which I think going into the season you always want to have, you know, at least two guys that can do it. I actually think we have more than two. Um, but I think, you know, we got a Pro Bowl returner in Turp, and he's become a much better punt catcher, even though I think he was very, very good at it before. But, uh, yes, he's, he's special. And I think Deuce is, too. He just hasn't done it very much, and so we're, we're getting more work to him, especially on the punt catching side of it. But you saw a kickoff return with Deuce just show good vision on a simple middle return. Um, but I, I envision Turp being even more special this year than he was last year. I envision Turp being more special this year than he was last year. Huh. That that didn't sound like a guy that's that's on a cusp now or on the bubble. Now, again, things can change tomorrow. If he goes out there and Kevontae Turpin fumbles a rock, if he goes out there, Kevontae Turpin is dropping passes or he's disobeying orders. Hey, I need you to fair catch. And he tries to run and he gets tackled for loss or he fumbles and they score or whatever. I think the conversation has to has to shift, right? It has to shift because you can't do those things. Again, he, I said this the other day. All he had to do was fair catch. If he fair catches the ball, we're not having this conversation. We're just not. And put a pen in Kevontae Turpin because we're gonna we're gonna bring him back up in things to watch for later on. But I I found that interesting. That that, and it probably isn't though. You know, maybe it's not as interesting as I find it. Uh, but it doesn't seem like there's a ton of pressure on him. And in my opinion, I, I, I think there should be. I think there should be a little fire lit up under him that you cannot do that. You know, so Fonte Turpin, eyes are on you tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a second, too. Uh, Coach Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer spoke as well at the podium again. He's becoming a guy that I have to listen to. When he gets up there and he speaks, I want to know what's what he's saying. Because he is, uh, I don't want to use the word inspirational. That's, that's that's a bit much. But I feel like he can fire you up in his speech. I feel like he can fire you up with his his energy and his aura. And some of the things he says, he also will give you some nuggets, too. He's not going to hold back. This isn't of yesteryear's different coordinators and different coaches. He'll give you some nuggets. But Jalen Brooks, Brian Schottenheimer talked about Jalen Brooks. And, you know, he's one of the risers in camp. He had a fantastic camp between the start and preseason week one. But it didn't go as well in preseason week one. He he went one reception and five targets, and 
all of it wasn't just a quarterback. According to Schottenheimer, there were things that he needed to be better at um, and, and that he learned from. But here's Shotty talking about, you know, what he saw in that game from Jalen Brooks and how he's responded to some of that adversity. Yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it. And I talked to JB about it. It felt like he was a little bit sped up. First game, he's got his shiny uniform on, right? Uh, you guys have seen what he's done all training camp, right? I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, so he was a little bit sped up in the game. But here's what I loved about it. So talked about it, made the corrections, got some things adjusted. And then this week of practice has been right back to what it was. So he didn't sulk he didn't hang back and be frustrated by the fact that maybe he didn't get as many touches and targets and things like that he went right back to work um he was back there before the first practice doing his routine getting his mind right you know getting his body ready to go so again i think that shows the maturity about him and i love the fact because there's going to be adversity right you know this there's going to be adversity in every game there's going to be adversity during the season but for a young player to show that maturity to where hey you want to go out there you want to play great but that's what preseason's for making mistakes but for him to respond the way that he did I know got my respect and I think most of the other uh, position groups on offense saw the way he worked this week in practice so um, uh, credit to him speaking very highly of Jalen Brooks and, and just mature dude not, not just mature from a mental standpoint but on the field and I, I will credit some of it to these coaches right Schottenheimer uh, Prince uh, Mike McCarthy and, and tweaking his offense to make it easier for these young guys, because I don't know if we would have seen this type of maturity uh, and playing fast and picking up the offense as we are with these guys. But he talked about playing too fast and that's going to happen, right? Your first game, like you said, I'm excited. I'm a cowboy. I've been killing it at camp. You know, I'm ready to get out here and go. So, you know, he'll he'll learn those little things, those nuances of the game. And I think maybe that learning curve for Jalen Brooks will uh, be a little easier and a little sharper because a guy like Brandon Cooks is in this room. We talked about this a ton last year at camp, by the way. A ton that in that room, including CeeDee Lamb, who was a riser, who was on his way to being a top 10 receiver, arguably top five, right? He still was young. We're talking about a guy that only played in the league for two years at that point. So, you know, he didn't have, or three years, he didn't have that much to, to pass down to these young guys. And he was still trying to climb up the ladder he, he didn't know the nuance all the nuances the guy that was there for that they shipped off to cleveland so you bring in a a brandon cooks who has been the consummate professional he, he's helped all those guys out in that room i think you'll see jalen brooks jalen tober jalen moreno cropper you know all these guys these young guys get better with the small details of the game so i don't worry about jalen even though he you know a one for five game um the kid seems to be a lunch pail guy. He's going to play special teams. He's a physical receiver, possession guy. Obviously, he can go up and get it if you haven't seen the highlights at South Carolina. So I know it's it's not the greatest first game, but, but Schottenheimer is speaking very highly of him. He is a draft pick. Um, I do think they're going to carry six, and I'm still, I still have Jalen Brooks making this team. I do. All right, one more. We'll wrap, we'll wrap in the chat, and then we'll get to some of the things we got to look for tomorrow. This one, this one is interesting. This one comes from Dan Quinn. So, fantastic question by Nick Harris. Fantastic question. But Dan Quinn was not happy with it. So, I'm going to play this, and y'all just tell me if I'm tripping. 
Y'all tell me if I'm tripping, but I, I think there is something, something to this to where, yes, Dan Quinn wasn't thrilled, but you should be thrilled. Here's Dan Quinn on Nick Harris's question. If you can't hear it in regards to Nick's question, I'll repeat it for you. Usually when we see Leighton coming off the edge, we also see Michael Parsons lined up there at zero tech. Is, was that part of the same idea in the offseason, or was it two different ideas that kind of bridged I'm not familiar with that alignment. <laughs> His ability to not familiar with off the edge. That, what is he showing here this summer? I haven't seen a lot of it, but when I do see it, there's definitely improvement for sure. One more time. W one more time. Nick Harris asked him about Leighton Van Der Esch being on the edge and Michael Parsons being at zero. One more time. Usually when we see Leighton coming off the edge, we also see Michael Parsons lined up there at zero tech. Is, was that part of the same idea in the offseason, or was it two different ideas that kind of bridged it? I'm not familiar with that alignment. His ability to off the edge. That what is he showing here? He's talking about. I haven't seen a lot of it, but when I do see it, there's definitely improvement for sure. Okay, I don't know if y'all heard the second part, but he he asked him about you know what's going on with Leighton out there. How's he looking or whatever? He says, oh, you know, I I don't know what you're talking about, man. But when I do see it, you know, it's some improvement. He's getting better with it. Y'all, y'all see what I'm saying, right? Y'all peep, y'all peep game. Clearly, there, there's video, bro, of LVE lining up on the outside, and then you got Michael Parsons in the middle. Things we were asking to see a lot last year: Michael Parsons blitzing from the A gaps. And I don't think Dan Quinn was too happy about Nick asking that question because. Maybe that's something he wants to keep in the tuck. I don't think you're seeing a ton of the LVE stuff. When I say a ton, I mean, you might see a handful of these plays per week, let alone in, in one given series, because I think they are trying to keep that safe to the vest, right? Because they want to pull that out. And we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Let me see if I can find a graphic for you. Um, we had the conversation a couple weeks ago about LVE playing out there. I can't quite find the graphic at the moment, but but that's fine. So I just found it interesting that something like that, Dan Quinn was kind of like, hey, man, chill out. But here's why I think you should be happy about it. I believe it was year one for Micah Parsons where he had half of his sacks up the middle. Now, I don't, I don't know how many he had last year. Maybe you guys can help me out here. Seven or eight sacks were up the middle, maybe. In, in year one, I don't think it was that many last year. And you can say, well, Sky, he's a fantastic, you know, edge rusher. Keep him out there. Sure, but we want to move him around. You think a guard can deal with Micah Parsons up the middle? No. We saw him pull a Houdini act in, in, in year one against the Saints. And he's he's even better now. He's stronger. He's faster. He's quicker. He's more, he's more understanding in year three. So, so no, I don't think a, a guard or a center can deal with Michael Parsons, especially when you got a guy like Sam Williams that might be on the other side, or you got a guy like uh, Dante Fowler out there. Then you got Mozzie Smith in the middle as well, or next to you. I don't think Dan Quill wanted the world to know about this specific package, right? And the, the stat or the graphic I was looking for was, uh, LVE replacing the snaps that Anthony Barr had last year. Anthony Barr played over uh, something around like 105 or so snaps as an edge defender, as a as a defensive lineman. 
And I truly do believe that LVE is going to be doing some of that. Will it be at that rate? I, I don't I don't know because I don't think he's as good going forward rushing the passer as a Anthony Barr, but they're damn sure going to try to, to get that going so they can put Michael Parsons in different situations. So just something that I noticed, y'all. Just, just something that I noticed. Now, I'll say this. I would like to see Demo in that in that position, you know, probably next year or maybe middle of the year. Uh, I think right now it might be a lot to put on his plate because what he's we had this conversation with uh, Patrick Nosey Walker. DeMarvion Overshone, I think he'll figure it out based on what they're putting on his plate. I don't think they want him to do three level things year one. Thus, it looks like they're asking him to do a lot of linebacker things year one. And we'll build off of that. Great, because he's absolutely killing it. He is nailing it as a linebacker right now. Uh, maybe as the season goes on, maybe uh, next year, he starts to do some more of those things where he's rushing the passer from the edge. But I think LVE is the only one with the mental bandwidth to be able to take that on his plate and still do linebacker things still wear the green dot put guys everywhere they need to be on a consistent basis and to his credit dan quinn talked about that in regards to lv lve being an extremely important piece to this offense or this defense getting guys uh, lined up knowing everybody's going to be and just being a dependable guy so stars interesting man <laughs> gerald jones said <laughs> quinn said you ain't seen anything Oh, I slipped that one up, but you ain't seen nothing. I feel you. I liked it. Uh, let me see here. Coma John says, sir, is that you on the, on the video still in that Red Bull? Nope, not me. Yeah, so I ain't the only one that caught that. Demetrius said, DQ was like, not familiar with that. One more time. Just I thought this was hilarious. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Usually when we see Leighton coming off the edge, we also see Michael Parsons lined up there at Zero Tech. Is, was that part of the same idea in the offseason, or was it two different ideas that kind of bridged into one? I'm not familiar with that alignment. Dan Quincy, huh? A what? This is what he should have did. See, if he was a wrestling fan, I'd have pulled something like this. What? 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 I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Twan, what's good, brother? What's good, Scott? How you doing? I'm great, bro. It's Friday. We got some Cowboys football football tomorrow. How are you? Um, I'm good, man. I, I called I called you yesterday, but I but Yo, I couldn't get in. And I wanted I wanted to talk to you about I think you were right, man. I think I think I think this defense is better than the offense, man. Oh yeah, yeah. This... I, I want I, I wanted to call and tell you you might be right. I think the defense is better than the offense, and I'm loving how Overshawn's looking. Mm -hmm. Jabril Cox might not make the team, and I, I I liked him. I feel sorry for him, but I don't know. I don't know, bro. I'm gonna talk about this in a second here. Uh, in the, in the second part of our, 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 our B block, there there was. I'm gonna just say this: the linebackers were all of them play well, but we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, but and, I, I and like, he's, I like and he's doing well going. down there, according to those those at camp. So it, it's just quiet. It seems like you know how I feel about being quiet. I kind of wanted to be loud, but anyway, go ahead. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And, and but that that fight, man, I ain't gonna lie. That fight, that fight got me hyped for the defense. That fight, that fight got me hyped for the defense because I haven't seen us looking like this. 
ever. Probably since I was young. Oh, wow. Like, probably oh, since I was dad. a child. Like, oh, how, how old are you? Scott, when last time? I'm 33. Okay, I mean, I guess that's fair then. You feel me? So, I ain't see us look like this in a while. We look mean and we look like we want to fight. Like, like we want to we wanna punch somebody in the mouth and bring the aggressiveness to them. And we haven't looked like that in so long, Sky. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. Hey. And I just had to tell you that you was right about the defense. I think I think 99% of us said this, though, so I ain't, I ain't nothing special. I think we all mostly agree that this defense is, is better than the offense. But what I love is that the offense is, is not little brother either. That's what Dak Prescott said. Dak was like, and same thing what you said about the fight. And he said, hey, in my eight years here, seven years, but in my eighth year, you know, we haven't had this type of competitiveness in camp. And here's why I think that's true. You never had the offense or the defense matching the offense, let alone surpassing it from a, you know, talent or coaching ability standpoint. Now, I think they have surpassed it from a talent and coaching standpoint, but the offense is still good. So now you got these two yeah. sides that don't feel like they little brother that feel like we are like that competing against each other. And just the, the competitive nature is so damn high right now. I think it's like you said, we have not seen that in a while because look, bro. It's always been about the offense for the last 15 years. It's been about the offense. Yep. It's never been about the defense being as good or better. Even in like 2014, 2016, 18, all these playoff years I'm thinking about, uh, seven, the, the defense might have been good. It might have been maybe right there, but it never was just without a shadow of a doubt. It ain't, it, it ain't smashed. It wasn't smashed no football puncher in your mouth. Nah. I'm coming to get you. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't there. No. But in closing, do we think Calvert taking taking away snaps from Gallup? No. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Who's taking him away? Jalen Tober, right? Yeah. Do we feel like he he, he can honestly take some some snaps away? From oh, Gallup? Do I, I don't want to make this sound like Jalen Tober can't do it. Like Jalen Tober definitely, I think is going to work his way into getting some some reps this year. Uh, that'll be up to Gallup. Right, like if if Gallup, I don't think we can answer that question until we see Gallup for a couple of weeks. If if Gallup is yeah. bad, then hell yeah, he's gonna take snaps. But if Gallup is is good, I think you'll see Gallup be twenty twenty. If y'all remember that year, twenty twenty, he was yep. wide receiver three, put up like eight hundred yards, five touchdowns. That would not shock me um, if he if he did that because he was he settled in as a wide receiver three. So actually, the question is TBD. Really, if if Gallup is good, he won't. I don't think he'll eat into his snaps significantly. If Gallup is bad, one hundred percent he will be. Bet we're gonna see. It's twenty days away, Sky man. I can't wait. Have a good one. My man, appreciate you, big dog. Yeah. I want to start with this one, but let me start with this one. Let me start with this one. So we're gonna talk about. We're gonna preview tomorrow's game, and. I want to start with the keep stacking list. I was going to start with need more from, but I want to start with the keep stacking list. So tomorrow, preseason week two, some of the things we want to see, and I've been using this buzzword for quite some time. Keep stacking. Some of these players need to keep stacking to either A, make the team, or B, just bring in confidence into the season. And we just got done talking about Jalen Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert, has been stacking probably he's probably been stacking more than any young player on his team 
his arrow is pointing up and is pointing up sharply. Uh, he is sharp. Every everywhere from a mental standpoint, he's out there running crisp routes. He's where he needs to be. This this is what he's doing in camp, and what he's doing in preseason is what you would have thought Dennis Houston was doing last year. The way everybody was talking about Dennis Houston, and I'm sitting here like, what am I missing? Because that is not the camp that Dennis Houston was having. What Jalen Tobert is having right now. So I was I was confused. But Jalen Tobert is absolutely having the camp that you want to see from a second-year guy with the talent that he has. It never was about his talent. Tobert always had the talent. He was always, you know, fast for his size, can go up and get it. Um, yak ability. Just it was all there to be a, a complete wide receiver. He just needed to put it together mentally, and he has. So keep stacking for me. Jalen Tobert is right at the top of that list. TJ Bass. TJ Bass, to me, getting first-team reps was earned. Um, will he start? Probably not. Uh, for whatever reason, y'all, I don't know why. This love affair with Josh Ball, I, I would I would throw Bass in there. Now, I'm not, I'm not wasting snaps to see, oh, that's Josh Ball. I think I know what he is, man. Let's get TJ Bass against some of these starters in, in preseason week two. I don't know if you'll see starters in week three, but I, I want TJ Bass to get in there and see him continue to stack because when we talked about UDFAs and when we talked about, you know, who would have an advantage in getting on this team, the interior depth was always that position that a guy could step up and make this squad. You didn't have a whole lot. And Bass is so far so good in doing it. Here's why I wanted to go to, to this point because the linebackers. So I went back, rewatched the game, um, you have to you have to watch these things like damn near it feels like three or four times to get an idea on certain players positions and whatnot because initially you're watching it for one thing the second time you're watching it for another the third time another so I went back watched it and I said let me focus on the linebackers first of all before I get to to all of them let me find this tweet that I put up and and this guy won't make the team right like, like he probably won't make the team but I thought this was interesting. Uh, for Tyrus Wheat. And come on. C- come on. Apologies, y'all. Anyway, so I, I wrote, a, I had a tweet up here on Twitter. Here we go. I'll try to find it again. It says, um, seeing Tyrus Wheat in the box, especially wearing number 91, was fascinating. Of his 22 defensive snaps, he played 15 of them on a the defensive line and seven of them as an off-ball linebacker. And he did a lot of that in college. There we go. Finally. Finally. So here's, here's the picture I was talking about with Tyrus Wheat. When I saw the snap a few times, because y'all remember 91 was Watkins' number. I'm like, why? Why is this defensive tackle at linebacker? And I'm like, oh, this is this is Tyrus Wheat. So I, I thought this was really interesting. And I say here, it's an interesting piece for Dan Quinn to develop if he can make it to the practice squad. Um this guy is not Michael Parsons, y'all. So that that's that's not where I'm going here. But somebody had asked, hey, is is Land and Wheat, do you think they have the same skill set? And I'm like, nah, I think um, I think Land is more the explosive pass rusher, where Tyrus Wheat is more power uh type of guy, and he's more versatile, I think, than Isaiah Land. Land is just he's a fantastic get-off. He's a he's an explosive pass rusher. If Tyrus Wheat can continue to develop on a practice squad, I think this there's something for the future to look at for Dan Quinn, if he's going to remain a defensive coordinator, to use as another chess piece. So that was just something interesting that I was like, oh, 
okay, Tyrus Wheat out there playing some some linebacker snaps. Uh, and then you look at the across the board. I think every single last, and this is hard as to say in a preseason game. Demo, Clark, we know what they did. Devin Harper, Jabril Cox, J- Justin, not Justin Jefferson, uh, Malik Jefferson, Tyrus Wheat, quasi defensive line, line. All the linebackers played well. It sounds crazy, but they all played well. They had more good tape than they did not. And that's why I just put, I was about to put Demo. I was like, nah, I can't leave out Clark. I was going to put Clark. I said, I can't leave out Demo. I was going to put Clark, Demo, Jefferson. I can't leave out, you know, Jabril Cox and Devin. All these linebackers played well and they need to keep stacking because it's still the position. And somebody asked this question in our mailbox, our mailbag that I probably won't get a chance to get to, you know, there's a somebody said there's a lack of talent at the position. I don't agree with that. I think there is talent there. It's just can you depend on these young guys? There's youth. There's inexperience that is a concern, not talent. So I want to see these backers keep stacking. Because when you go look at some of these big runs that popped, if you look at some of these big runs, y'all, that popped in that game, it really wasn't the backers. It was the safeties. It was the cornerbacks that were losing containment on the edge. It was maybe an Isaiah land or, you know, that was losing containment on the edge that these guys kind of popped out. I saw these backers filling these gaps. I saw Jabril Cox, you know, come downhill, meet a fullback, meet a pulling guard and blow up that area and cause that running back to bounce outside. So when I say linebackers, I mean, all of them. I want to see all these linebackers continue to stack on what they did um, last week. Mozzie Smith. Mozzie, for whatever reason, the first kind of the first initial reaction to Mozzie Smith was, oh, man, he didn't look. Then you go put on the tape and you're like, no, Mozzie Smith is going to be a problem when he figures out those little details of this damn game. Because just from a pure just... I'm a beat your ass standpoint from a from a from a pure Man, look, man, Mozzie Smith is not playing with y'all. He did exactly what he was supposed to do when being drafted here, and that was control the line of scrimmage. That was cause car accidents at the line of scrimmage and in the backfield there was and i almost pulled this play up and put it on twitter just when i was watching the linebackers i'm just sitting here like my goodness man you know and this is without jonathan hankins next to him so i just want to continue to keep i want to continue to see mozzie smith stack keep stacking off of what he did in that first game and and maybe and i know this might sound crazy because he's a rookie you know, maybe if he goes out there, he plays another 25 or so snaps and, it, and it's and it's good tape. You say, all right, young muck, we ready to go for week one. That's your first round pick. So I don't know how many, I don't know how many of those you're gonna play in the preseason, in the final preseason game, I mean, uh prior to week one. Maybe he gets a series or two just to continue to keep that going. But if he keeps stacking, not too much more you need to see. You you could argue the same for Jalen. If Jalen goes out there, has another fantastic game, maybe you get him a series in that final game and then you wrap it up. Let's get ready for week one. And then finally, John Stevens Jr. 
the chatter is continuing to rise around that tight end room around you know Peyton Hendershot Sean McEwen and it's be it's all because of John Stevens Jr. He is he carried over right his camp progression to the game um predominantly in the last three minutes but hey it is what it is you can only when they give it to you they give it to you but this is why I thought it wasn't really about his pass catching in that last three minutes. It was about his blocking. If John Stevens Jr. can continue to progress as a blocker, somebody's in trouble. Somebody's in trouble at the bottom-ish of that, that tight end room. The top two are solidified, right? You're Luke Schoolmaker, uh, uh, Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson tight end one. Luke Schoolmaker is quasi tight end two and they'll do some things with whoever that tight end three is probably but i believe luke is going to be a tight end two when this thing is all said and done but after that somebody's not going to make this team um between those three guys and john stevens jr is saying nah nah not going to be me man so those are those are some of the guys i want to see keep stacking there, there's other guys you guys can throw some names out there as well but those are some of my guys all right, let's get uh, JR in the building. What's good, JR? God! What's good, baby? Woo! Man, is, he, is he too loud for y'all? Because I had to turn it up. <laughs> oh, hold on, Scott. I need to get some problem. Now, you good. I can hear Man, you. I can hear you. You got me? All right. Man. You know what? Um, I just want to say this. You know why our linebackers look so good? What? Go ahead. We got two big mouths of dirt in the middle. Them guards can't get to the second level. So the, the, the linebackers is free to move, roll, go as they please. That's what we've been needing. See, now, we've been, you know, LVE stepped up this last year. He was probably the one that was doing backflips when we drafted Maji because now we got guys who can soak up those interior blocks that's going to free up our linebackers to fly. And if you go back, you look mm -hmm. at the success of Dan Quinn's defenses that went deep in the playoffs, Super Bowl berth. It was because they had guys who can – they had outside guys who could rush. They had inside guys who could control the middle. They had uh, great – I think they had great Jared and uh, Atlanta during that time. And they had top-tier linebackers who could fly and make the young, plays. Yeah. You see what Andre I'm Campbell, yeah. So, yeah, you see what I'm saying? So what we're looking at, what we're looking at right now, we're looking at our twos and our threes, and we're looking at how successful they are. Oh, my goodness, wait till we get the ones out there. Right. Oh, my, hey, good luck to, you know, uh, offensive coordinators this year. You know what I'm saying? Good luck to Aaron Rodgers. Good luck to Jalen, uh, Jalen, uh, the guy uh, in, in, yeah, Hurts. You know what I'm saying? Good luck to these people, man, because, it's going to be hell trying to move the ball, progress during the uh, during this while we're on the field because our, our defense. I mean, Dan Quinn in three years has recreated his Atlanta defense, aka Legion of Boom defense that got him in his Atlanta defense. Yeah, he's recreated that. So there you yeah. go. It's a fusion. It is a fusion of Atlanta and. Seattle, and this is what I mean. You remember Brandon Maybeam and those guys up front for Seattle? I mean, big, big boys Ooh. that are able to 
you know, control the line of scrimmage so K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin can kind of roam around a bit and, and Cam Chancellor. And then you mix it with, you know, the Atlanta athleticism at linebackers. I think there was more athleticism in Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell in Atlanta, but they didn't quite have the defensive tackles. There's no knock on Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's a fantastic three-tech. But there was a there was a different version in Atlanta and sorry in Seattle up front. Those guys were were designed to to kind of control the line of scrimmage, and then you just had a guy like Michael Bennett who just could do everything up there and was just a beast. Cliff Averill rushing off the edge. It was kind of more of a traditional. Where in Atlanta, his defense is, his defense in Atlanta wasn't great, but they complemented that offense. They flew around and created turnovers. And Dan Quinn got the best out of out of a lot of those guys. I think he's he's fused it. I think he's got the the athletic linebackers and everybody. I mean, you could argue LVE is athletic for his size, but I'm talking about Damone Clark. I'm talking about Demo. You could argue Jabril Cox. I mean, I argue he is athletic. Uh, Devin Harper. Like these guys are athletes. And, and then you have the big boys up front, like you said, to keep them clean and allow them to roam free. And here's the caveat, right? Here's the Here's the icing on the cake, actually. Damone Clark, if you listen to what Dan Quinn said about Damone Clark, it's the same thing we were saying that we noticed on film last year. He was thinking. He was thinking a whole lot last year, so he wasn't able to put that athleticism on display consistently. We saw the flashes, but consistently we, we didn't see it. He said this year, that boy don't have to think. He, he has picked a lot of things up now, and he's going to be able to now fuse his athleticism with his mental game, and that's scary, man. That's why I have Damone Clark being a, a, a second-year breakout player right along the lines of a Sam Williams. Ooh, I hit it right on the head, you know what I'm saying? Yes, guy. I, and, and so that if anybody's skeptical, skeptical, you know what I'm saying, hey, kill that noise. You know why? Because you're seeing it right now. You're seeing it in real time. You're seeing something brew here, okay? And what's brewing? some good goddamn home-cooking gumbo for 17 seasons we stepping on that field. And anybody who steps on that field, they got to bring it every time. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Sky, I got to get it. I got to get it, baby. You know what I'm saying? Hey, y'all know where it's at. Hit that like, share, subscribe. You know what I'm saying? Because if you got your A to Z Cowboys content, you got the best content in the Cowboys nation, baby. This is the only place to be. Sky's the best one doing it in the building, baby. We love you. Y'all going to like, share, subscribe. It's going to the top. My guy, JR. Appreciate you, big dog. Hey, it's school season now, JR. You back you, you back in those closets making these calls. Oh man, don't let them kids get to you. All right, let's get to my other side of what to watch for tomorrow. And that's that's who we need to see more from. We need more from these guys. And this is predominantly an offensive-driven side of the ball here. Number one. Uh, and this isn't really an order. I'm just saying, number one, to start off. Malik Davis. Malik Davis is in a, a really strange situation, y'all. Really, really strange situation because he has actual game film. Actual game film where he was really good last year. He did some good things, came in and, and played well for you, right? But then the Cowboys go out and get Deuce Vaughn. And I don't think anybody is questioning whether Deuce Vaughn needs the ball in his hands. So now it's about, all right, Tony Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, those are going to be the guys you put the balls in their hands, maybe what, 
well, Tony Pollard's your feature back, but as a backup, he, look, I love you, Malik Davis, but you ain't you ain't got the talent, in my opinion. You don't have the the special skill set that a guy like a Deuce Vaughn has. So I'm putting the ball in his hands more than the other two, meaning Rico and Malik. So Rico goes out there. He fumbles at the line of screen or at the uh, end of a play, but damn it, it was a good catch, good run. He had a good kick return. He ran hard. He actually played well. The fumble was going to knock it down a couple notches, though, which favors Malik Davis. Problem is, Malik Davis did not take advantage of that. Well, Sky, his offensive line didn't had the same offensive line as the other two. Well, yeah, but he, well, Deuce Vaughn was making people miss too. So we we look. Some people might be like. Oh, you being too hard. No, we need to see more. I mean, that just is what it is. That's what this isn't. You're not making the team. This isn't you suck. This is we need to see more. Why do we need to see more? Because Rico Dowdle is on your ass. Deuce Vaughn is here. He ain't going nowhere. So we need to see more from Malik Davis, who couldn't even average a yard for carry on Saturday. So I think it's fair, right? Simi Feoko. I know this is going to sound weird because Simi actually had a solid game given, you know, four four targets, four receptions or whatever. But only reason why I'm, I'm putting him on here is because I don't think it was enough to, to be confident to say stamp Simi Fehoko on this roster. Not with Jalen Brooks being a draft pick, not with him having a fantastic camp. So this is simple. This is easy. We just need to see more from Simi so that there's more confidence going into the final preseason game and say, all right, Simi may be working his way back onto this roster because I don't I don't know that he is. I don't think he's carrying seven receivers. Um, this may be a case where if, if he goes, somebody else might pick him up because there is something there from a physical standpoint. But I don't know that the Cowboys are going to care much because of Jalen Brooks' potential and then obviously four years worth of uh, control from a contract standpoint. Plus, you got your big four for the next two seasons at the very least in front of him. So... Need more from Simi if he's going to stamp his claim to this roster. Kevante Turpin is, is, is another interesting one because it sounds like he's safe, according to Bones Fossil. But I'm not even talking about returning. I don't even really want to see Kevante Turpin out there returning. In my, I, I just don't. I don't care about Kevante Turpin out there returning. I want to see more in the receiving game. I want to see them get him the ball quickly or get it downfield. I love that scissors route. You know, he 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 helped get, I don't say he, but but the design helped get Jalen Tobert open. I want to see more from a receiving standpoint standpoint for Kevontae Turpin. I don't really care if he returns a single punt or kick return. Let's get him the ball. I want to see him make a play. Yeah, he made a diving catch. He made a couple catches and got right down. Ow, I want to see... Kevontae Turpin take a 10-yarder and go 60. Or I want to see Kevontae Turpin take a screen and go 20. Um, make a guy... I want to see, hey, is Kevontae Turpin going to be a guy you can get out there and give him the ball three to four times a game? Or is this is going to be a return dude? So I, I need to see a little bit more from Kevontae Turpin. And then finally here, Peyton Hendershot. Peyton Hendershot played 14 snaps last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, most of it was, was pass blocking, uh, run blocking. One target, didn't catch it, obviously, but didn't wasn't like it was a great throw or anything like that. So with John Stevens Jr. on his heels, I think we need to see more from Peyton Hendershot 
because I'm not, I don't know if his roster spots in jeopardy. I do think that is a competition in my opinion, but let's just say he's going to make the team, right? Let's just say, all right, Peyton Hendershot makes the squad. Let's say they cut Sean McCune. Boom. He's out of here. They put him, they bring Sean back on a practice squad. He's not your tight end one. He's not your tight end two. He's your tight end three. Let's have a conversation here. Would you be wrong if you said that Peyton Hendershot's only advantage over John Stevens is that he has developed into a a better blocker, not the greatest, a better blocker because he's had some experience last year. Because just from a talent standpoint, John Stevens, former wide receiver, is obviously more athletic. He's a better receiver, in my opinion. So if if Peyton Hendershot's not going to be in line, tight end two, count on the block a whole bunch, they're going to split him out some, move him around. There's arguments to be made, right? That you can do some unique things with a John Stevens Jr. And if you go look at his snap count, he was all over the damn place. He did in line stuff, block well. But he also split out wide, former wide receiver. Now, Professor O brings up a good point. Not a big dude. Goals at about 220. That's pretty damn slight for a tight end. So he's going to need some off-season peanut butter next year. But if you say, hey, I got a guy like McEwen in the tuck on my practice squad, I want to see if I can get more out of a guy like John Stevens in, in certain instances. Not a whole lot. You're going to run with tight end one. You're going to run with Luke Schoolmaker. You're going to run with those two. There's something to... Hey, man, John Stevens can go up and get that rock. You know, I'll spread him out wide. We'll go We'll go four tight ends. We did that last year. I'll motion one guy out wide. Now I got a linebacker on John Stevens for a jump ball. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know that you'd be crazy. I don't know that you'd be crazy if you said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep Peyton Hendershot on the team. But if he ain't wowing me, which he doesn't wow me personally, if he ain't wowing me, Let's continue to develop and get the young buck ready in case he's needed. So, something to think about, man. Something to think about. All right, let's wrap this thing up with some of these calls here. We got about one, two, three, four. Four of them. Let's start with Joe Sandberg. What's good, Joe? Hey, what's good, Ty? How are you doing this morning? What's up, I'm good. Uh, One guy... For the one thing I definitely need to see more from is from the backup center position on our team. Yeah, I think that would be Brock Hoffman, if I'm not mistaken. Well, him, Ed Parniak, they might as well just go ahead and just try to compete for backup center because he wasn't really doing anything for me for left guard. Yeah, I think what happened, and this is interesting, uh, I almost said Bostic. Not Bostic. Awesome. Awesome Richards found out after Chuma Idoga went down that he was going to be bumped out the left tackle. And uh, Brian Schottenheimer praised him for being able to do tackle and guard stuff on such short notice. Uh, but what happened was the domino effect. Horniak was supposed to be your backup center. According to Mike McCarthy, he was going to focus on that. But when Awesome had to kick out the left tackle, somebody had to slide in that left guard, and that guy was... Matt Forniak, who was doing a lot of guard things and played left guard a lot last year. Thus, Brock Hoffman played that center. And look, he, Brock Hoffman was all right. You know, 
you, you want to see him. He's a lunch pail guy, work hard guy. It's very possible he could play his way on this team. So I'm with you. I do want to see more from that 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 backup center in case something happens to to Tyler. And I definitely saw some good things from Austin Richards at tackle. Oh, I did too. Just need to see a little bit more, a little bit more consistency. That's that's it. I I, I liked his. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked his tackle tape, especially given what happened, right? Like he wasn't practicing at tackle and then he goes out there and I just thought he looked comfortable. And he talked about it. If you go uh, read one of the articles on .com, he said, yeah, you know, I've played tackle like 2000 snaps or whatever it was. And, and it wasn't 2000 and, uh, in college. So it was easy for me to go out there and look and feel more comfortable. Um, with that said though, I thought awesome Richards at guard also showed some good things too. I mean, the arrows pointing up for this kid. Um, I, I think there's something there for him. And I think by the time we get to next season from a, off-season peanut butter standpoint, uh, you'll feel a little bit better about your your interior line depth. Right now, if he had to go out there, it'd be wincing just a little bit because that means somebody got hurt um, and he's only played 50-something snaps in the NFL. But the arrow's pointing up. Well, that's really, I at least feel a little bit better now about my O-line depth. But it's just like some of the other guys. Like it's just like the right back position, like you said. It's, it's like Malay Davis definitely did himself no favors with his last game. Him and Rico, they're definitely probably probably punching out for the number three right back spot. But I don't. I think it might be Dunzo for Ronald Jones. Oh yeah, Ronald Jones ain't making this team. I mean, as soon as he got suspended, that was that was a wrap. The suspension plus the injury—he didn't even play. I don't know how severe the injury is, but he hasn't practiced. I think he was on a limited basis this week, but yeah, he's he's not making this team. All right, Joe, man, appreciate you, big dog. Okay, Luke. Our guy Joe, Sandberg. Oh man, um, yeah, Rojo, Rojo. I mean, he might make the practice squad. They might bring him back on the practice squad. That's something we had we had talked about before, where maybe they want to have a, a veteran guy on that practice squad, especially if it's going to be Rico Dowdle as you're completing that trio of running backs. Because right now it just feels like three. It, it doesn't feel like it's going to be four. And I said this the other day. When last week I was like, oh, I'm ready to stamp four, four running backs on this roster. Then I came over here Monday. It was like, you know what? F- all that. <laughs> Forget all that. I'm not, I don't, I don't think they're going to go long there and, and then risk a guy on at corner, risk a guy at linebacker or defense. You know, one of these positions that they want to kind of carry on here. I didn't, I didn't could be one too, but it's a moving target, man. And, and I, I think right now a guy like Malik, we need to see more from him if we want to even entertain that con- that conversation anymore, right? So I'm going to be fair, man. More data. Can't fake the phone. 706, what it is, what it do? Hey, what's going on, Scott, man? What's up with you? Uh, my name is BJ, man, from Memphis, man. Been a long-time listener, first-time calling in. Man. Thank you, bro. Hey, love your show. Thank you, man. Hey, I just want to... Uh, I just want to give Mike McCarthy some credit, man. I don't think a lot of people give him the credit that he's going to have by the end of the year. But uh, 
just the way he's going to have our offense attacking the opposing defense, like he said in, in his interviews, man. And it's, I just think that's going to be a big part of our success this year. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big part of why we didn't have success last year, especially with the option routes with the receivers, you know? Yeah. And I just think that's going to uh, – I just think Mike, by him changing the offense, you know, that's going to be a big reason why we have a lot of success now. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. One of the first things that came out of my mouth when when uh, my mouth when Kellen was gone was that boy. Let me let me go ahead and beat you right there. There we go. One of the first things that I thought about and said was, "Hey, the West Coast offense in principles is going to help everyone. It's going to help the receiver. It's going to help the running back. It's going to help the tight end. It's going to help the quarterback. This offense will will I think benefit from having it. You hear guys across the league, Hall of Famers like Aaron Rodgers that praise this offense." Uh, like none other. So I'm with you. Yeah, man. And uh, another thing about our defense, man, Dan Quinn, we all know he's a master, man, man. The mad past three years, he's just been or Yeah, yeah, mad science, man. In the past three years, he's just been oiling this machine, man. You know, we never had a player like Micah, and, you know, the NFL hasn't had a player like Micah in a long time. But having Micah on this defense just changed the, the whole tone of the team, in my opinion. You know, having a guy like that that leads your team, the way he talks in this interview, he don't he don't even sound like a third year player. If I'm being honest, you know, he got a lot of wisdom, man. I just think Michael's gonna take us places that we haven't been in a while. I'm with you. He, and I hate to say this because it sounds ahead. cliche now. He is different. He's different. Right. Man. Right. In close. And man, that, that's pretty much all I had, man. Uh, love your show. And uh, I'm going to call in a lot more, man. This is my first time. I, I'm a UPS driver, so I'm on a roll to lock and be a lot of background Oh, noise, that was that. And okay, I know how you were about the background door. noise. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. Somebody said it sounded like <laughs> exactly. you have having a table, ladders, and chairs match back there. Now I had their group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Find these boxes in this truck, man. That's about hey, it. man, look, we appreciate what y'all doing, man. It, it, it sounds like y'all, be, y'all about to get a raise or something going on over there, I heard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, I'll be contributing a lot more to to the show, man. My man. Appreciate you, big dog. Be safe yes, out there. Sir. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Yeah, salute to all the UPS drivers, man. If you looking to be, you know, to get into that that industry or what have you, they gave them a big old raise. Yeah. That's out to y'all. Uh, one, two. We got two more. Let's start with 717. What can Brown do for you? How's it going, man? What's up with you? Uh, not much. Just chilling. Um, I had a question. Um. So, in your heart of hearts, who do you think's gonna get the third, be the third tight end, John Stevens or Hendershot? Man, I'm not, I'm not sold yet, bro. Uh, let's see. I know it's gonna sound crazy. I still think McEwen. <laughs> I like yo. I just think McEwen makes the most sense. Because of what they want to do from a from a fullback standpoint, but between those two, let's just 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 throw McEwen out there, right? Let's is, just say he's not the is, picture. Is Schoon still hurt? No, no. Schoolmakers, I, I think Schoolmakers going to be a tight end too, bro. Do you think they could get maybe kind of crazy and put somebody on the IR and try to? Yes. So so know. so there, you, 
you might get a knock on the on the door from Grim Reaper and say that you hurt. However, however, um, man, it, it, this 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 position is so tough to me, bro. Because I'm trying to balance. I hope to see John winning six and development like twos this week. I agree. I agree. I think he's earned more reps to play against some starters. So, <sighs> I'm ready to put him above Peyton. I think if he goes out there and he plays well again, bro, I think I will. I will be saying it with my chest. I'm just not ready to say it with my chest yet because of because of Peyton Hendershot does have the film he had on you know last year, meaning he's he's had some good blocking fields, got good pass catching film, he got some bad stuff too. Um, he's got the experience. It's just hard to ignore that when you're trying to win six. That's why I was like, look, yeah. I think there could be a world where Stevens and Peyton Hendershot are on this team. Right? I think that yeah. is a legitimate legitimate situation. And you could say, well, well, who's going to be three? Maybe that depends on the package. Maybe that depends on what they're asking yeah. him to do. Because what Peyton Hendershot did last year, there was a few times you saw him lined up in the backfield. You saw him doing some motion things, getting handoffs. Maybe they'll say, hey, look, we want to do a few of those things this week with Peyton Hendershot. But then next week we want to say, hey, let's use, if he's even involved, he might be a healthy scratch. Let's use John Stevens to do some out wide things. Or maybe they just say, we're going to keep John Stevens on this roster to develop for the future, but he's going to be a healthy scratch every week. So I, I hate that it's not a good answer for you, bro, but I just, I'm just not ready to, to declare anything just quite yet. Yeah. Uh, but if you say game on the line, you got one game to win, you get to, you know, get in the playoffs or whatever, and it starts tomorrow, I think I still would go Hendo because he's he was in his offense. Dang. He was he played last year, and I probably would say that right now. But I'm hoping to see uh I I'm hoping some ones play for Seattle and maybe John Stevens could possibly, you know, get out there against a couple ones or Bro, I don't I mean, think you need to see Jake Ferguson at all. I don't. I think you can say, Jake, come have a seat. You are a guy. There's just no point. Uh, so let's roll out Luke Schoolmaker, and then you got this kind of back and forth between uh, Hendo and John Steve. Obviously, McEwen. McEwen is going to get some rep, too. But Hendo and John Stevens. Also, let's keep this in mind, y'all. If Sean McEwen only goes out there and gets another eight, nine snaps, that might tell you what you need to know about how they feel about him. I'm just saying. Is uh, who's your left tackle, left guard? You think they're gonna put uh, Tyler and Tyron? Oh, I know they are. Yeah, Ty- Tyron Smith is your left tackle. Tyler Tyron Smith is your left tackle. Tyler Smith is your left guard right now. Okay, but so what about when? I mean, we all know he's gonna get hurt sooner or later. Who do you think is going to be left guard? Is that is that still probably up in the air? You think? Yes, I think that is. I think that is. Um, I want to go get a veteran, bro. I do. I want to go get a veteran, but it it looks like right now, August eighteenth, Matt Forniak would be your left guard if Tyler is kicked out to left tackle. Okay. You think they would put that? Uh, Who's that rookie we drafted? TJ awesome Bass. Or? Oh, oh, Awesome Richards. Yeah, you think maybe they would try him at left tackle and keep Smith at guard? I mean, maybe, but but I, I, again, if you're asking me what I do, I, I want to get a veteran. 
I'm not. Yeah. Like I'm trying to win I, six, I agree. and I don't think that I'm ready to just look. If you're going to do this with Austin yeah. Richards, you need to focus him at a position. We 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 can't go into the season right. Austin Richards is playing nothing but guard, and then all of a sudden you got to change your heart and you want to keep Tyler at guard, and then you put Austin Richards out at left tackle by week six, but he's been doing nothing but guard things. This ain't the this ain't the season to play around, man. This is not the season to be to be yeah. effing around and finding out. And I like I like the potential of Austin Richards. I liked it when he first got drafted. I said, man, there's something here with this kid. I just think it's going to be more of a future thing. Now, if he goes out there and just goes berserk, then great, awesome, right, awesome. But I'm I'm skeptical on counting on him to be the left tackle for ten games, including the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, right now, as we speak. Yeah, I'm hoping. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, Amen. One, in close, in close. I got one last question. I mean, I mean that kind of ties into my final question. Uh, do you think they're going to pick another guy up, like another a free agent, or they're going to just roll with what they got? We are past the date that they usually do it. I'm, I am surprised. I'm going to lie to you. Um, I felt like the front office and the personnel department kind of has been doing things differently this, this off season. And maybe this is a yeah, part of, 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 yeah, maybe this is a part of doing things differently. They used to grab free agents by this point in training camp. They have not. I wonder if they're waiting for the cut downs because usually there would have been a cut at this point, but there won't be a cut until late in the season. And, and maybe they'll go look into free agency then, or maybe they'll wait to after week one where um, the contracts aren't guaranteed. So. And, uh, when do you think L.A. Knight is going to get that first title? Let me talk to you. Yeah. They're probably going to drag this thing out. Probably not to next year. Oh, man. Probably not to, like, yeah. Royal Rumble or something. Yeah. I don't think they'll give – I don't think they'll put us – I appreciate I don't, I don't think they'll strap him up at, at Survivor Series. So so maybe maybe a, a pay-per-view after that, but but I'm thinking next year sometime. Yeah. That's why I'm hoping to yeah. take it to the Rumble and maybe give him that, you know, that WrestleMania push. Well, he ain't, he ain't, they're not putting none of the big belts on him, but I, I like to see, you know, Intercontinental no. or, or you, you, you know, United States title or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate the call, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Have a good one. You too, man. Let me go back because I saw uh, – I'm sorry, whoever. Oh, Tacoma John. He says, Sky, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about Awesome at left tackle. Tacoma John, I would love to see Awesome Richards focus, excuse me, at left tackle because right now I am not confident in sliding anyone else over. This is no knock to – well, let's go. I I think I just concentrate, well, let's go at right tackle. Let's just let's keep him there. Awesome got so many snaps against high-level competition in college last year that if you absolutely had to throw him out there because you did not go out and get a veteran, then yeah, give me give me Awesome Richards to go out there. Give me him. So look, I know they wanna they wanna focus him at guard or they were trying to focus him at guard. I like what I saw. I just did. I like what I saw at left tackle. And the, the bad thing is you got issues on both. You got issues from a 
interior depth standpoint and you got issue issues from a swing tackle standpoint or left tackle backup standpoint if you decide to keep tyler at left guard but at, right now they're probably going to put tyler at left tackle so now who's your left guard that you can count on i'm gonna just be straight real with y'all i want a veteran guy but if they do not go out there and do it Horniak doesn't do it for me um bass i want to see him keep stacking so I think it'll come down to two rookies. Bass and awesome. Man, this ain't the time to be playing around. You got a chance to you got a chance to solidify a lot of spots depth-wise. I'd go do it. I'd go get me a veteran, man. Last caller, 469. What's up? What's going on with you? Skywalker, man. It's your boy, Fine Above the Rest. First time caller. I just subscribed to your show, but I've been checking out your app for a while, man. Man, and you. I like to work and I have to call in. Thank you, man. Appreciate you calling in, man. And, and hope hope you stick around. Hope we don't scare you away. Oh, no doubt, man. Um, I've been to within to Law Nation for years, and I've been hearing a lot of badges trying to try to finally check you out, man. And I like you sure a lot, man. You know football. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm still I'm learning every day. I say that all the time. I'm I reach out, I, I try to continue to learn and make sure that when I'm on here, I'm not just just shooting from the hip and giving y'all shock jock stuff, man. Already, already. Now, since you know football, I want you to follow me here. Okay. I've been hearing your show today. I love your morning show. Now, I called in on Law Nation show yesterday afternoon, and I pitched this to him, and he was vibing with me. So I want to see what you think about this, all right? All right. Take it away. So we're going to start off with the running back position. Now, everything I'm about to say is just my opinion based on being a Cowboys fan for 27 years and counting. Now, I believe that this year we're going to carry – three running backs. And in my opinion, here's all the three running backs in the order. Okay. As we know, Tony Pollard, our starter. Yep. Deuce Vaughn will be our second string, depending on how he does this Saturday against Seattle. They they need to play him in the first quarter against more starters and stuff. But if he can capitalize on what he did last Saturday, no doubt in my mind, he's going to be our second string back. With that being said, our third back, is going to be Rico Dowdle. He's more explosive than Malik Davis. That's who they're going to grow with. They're going to roll with 23 as our third back, in my opinion. Now, we're going to go on a little bit further now, okay? Right. We've been talking about the tight end position a lot, whether to carry three, whether to carry four. We're going to carry three tight ends, and here's the reason why. One second before you here's give me that. the reason why. One second before you give me the, the the reason. Can you turn down the background? I think you I think you got the show up a little bit loud. I I got you. Is that better? Yeah. Yep. There you go. Okay. So in my opinion, we're going to carry three tight ends, and the reason why because Hunter Lukey, the back from North Dakota State, mm. he is going to be our fullback. Mike McCarthy wanted to go back. To his old style, you gotta remember, by the country from Pittsburgh, they got a different way of doing things as far as like where he's legit, legit from. He was born and raised in Pittsburgh. So they come from a different mindset. He wants to bring a fullback back to this system. Hunter Lukey is going to be our fullback. So, therefore, what? Go ahead. Well, so that, that was my thought too, right? Going into this, this training camp, into preseason, but I just hadn't seen enough to be uh -huh. confident in that. I uh, appreciate your confidence, but I just hadn't seen enough yet. Maybe maybe tomorrow will, will help give me that confidence. So here's my question to you. You said they're going to carry three. Who are your three tight ends? Oh, it's simple. Um, Jake Ferguson, he's our tight end one. That's how we solidified. 
you're not going to cut ties with a second round pick. No. Schoolmaker is our is a, is our second tight end. That's just what that is. And our third is Stevenson. Simple as that. To me, here's the reasons why. Here's the reasons why. Peyton Hendershot and Stevenson, they're both similar. If if we even, I'm leaving. <laughs> You're going to go with the younger guy. You're going to go with the younger guy, and you can develop him on the back end. Peyton Hendershot, he got, he's a one-year pro. He has some tape out there. He has some upside that people can see. What does that mean? We can use that as trade bait to bring in some veteran O-line depth that we're talking about that we need, in my opinion. That's what we need to do there. You know, you know you what? Could... Wait, wait a minute. You on... Wait, 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 wait. You're on to something here. You're on to something. Can I entertain this for a quick second? Go ahead. So, so think, let me add to this. If we can get if we can go to Sean McEwen and say, "Hey Sean, look dog, we're going to sign you back, but we need to cut you so that we can we do go. some ro- roster gymnastics, but we're going to sign yes, you back sir. either A to this roster or B to the practice squad." Because it, here's why I think it's important to have a Sean McEwen if you're going to do what you said do. And that's trade Peyton Hendershot. I am all for trade Peyton Hendershot for some interior O-line depth. Oh boy, I I love that. Now I don't know if you're going to be able to do it, but give me that all day and tomorrow. First that I'm hearing of doing something like this, and I love it. But but here's why I think it would be important to bring in Sean McEwen because he is a guy that's been around. He's a guy that can do some of those blocking things as well in case somebody gets hurt. He's a veteran in that mm-hmm. room. And you, as much as we like the upside of John Stevens, I don't know that you want to bank on a UDFA light-in-the-butt tight end that needs some off-season peanut butter. Uh, in case one of your top guys go down. I don't know if he's ready for that because tight end is tough, bro. It's it's, it's a tough position Correct. that you got to kind of have some guys that, that are, can do both things at a high level, and it takes some time, right? It takes some time. So uh, I like the idea of moving of trading Peyton for depth, but I want to add to let's keep Sean McEwen by bringing him back to the practice squad so you got, I think, a complete tight end room. Correct. Then let me tell you how they're going to do that. It's, going, it's tied off of what you just said before you put me on. You said just last week, we only seen McEwen for about eight plays or so. Mm-hmm. They don't want, they already know what they got in McEwen. They don't need to put him out on the field too much. Why? Because they want him to skip through the waiver wire to make it on let the me, practice squad. Let me squad. help you. Let me help you. He doesn't need to go through waivers. That's what I'm saying. Got it. Yeah, he doesn't even need to go through waivers. They, they, he has enough accured years to say, hey, knock, knock, knock. We're going to cut you, but we're going to sign you. They did this with other guys, Cooper Rush, uh, CJ yeah, Goodwin. They, 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 those guys don't got to go through waivers. So th- that, that's the bonus of having a dude like that is what I'm getting at. Correct, correct. Now, one final thing before you let me go. Um, I want to speak on the wide receiver group. We're going to carry six receivers, and we got a lot of talk about who these six are going to be. We know the top three. We know the top three. Yeah, I'm going to put it out there just for its clear. Stevie Lamb, one. Brandon Cooks, two. Mike Gallup, three. After those three, the following, the following three, this is how it's going to go, guys. Jalen Tobert is our wide receiver, four. Mm-hmm. He's proven enough. He's going to continue to grow. He's our wide receiver, four. They're not going to cut Kevontae Perkins. He's a pro bowler. They're not going to do it. They're, they're, they're just not, and he's running number nine. We know Jerry Jones. These numbers mean something, Jerry. 
They, he gave number nine to Kavante for a reason, and he met the Pro Bowl last year. They're not going to cut him. I've been watching the Sanitas heavily. They've been using him. They've been using Kavante Turpin in two-minute offense heavily. With the starting offense, get the starting defense to trade the cap. They're getting him set to have a lot of plays, followed behind Brandon Cooks in this offense. Kavante Turpin making his team. And I, in my opinion, the, the last one the fight. The last one. I'm going to shock everybody with this one. Dennis Houston. Ooh. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Remember, he made the team last year. Why did he make the team last year? Because he's one of Dak's guys. Yeah. And we have seen no slack. We've seen surprises from other players, but we haven't seen a slack from Dennis Houston at training camp or the preseason game. Now, granted, this is saying that he improves this Saturday, but I'm telling you, Dennis Houston, he's going to have the coaches on this side, and most importantly, he's going to have Dak Prescott on this side. Dennis Houston will be our sixth receiver. Hey, that is a bold prediction. Let me – so so he made the team last year by default, bro, in my opinion. I don't think he Correct. did anything impressive. Um, the, the room was just so bad, and, this, and, and he was not ready, and this is how you know he wasn't ready. They cut that man in two weeks. They just straight up cut him. They like, I don't give a damn if anybody but, picks but, him up or anything. What into that? That going down went into that. If that would have never went down with that thumb injury against Tampa, maybe then the future don't get cut after two weeks. Nah, bro. I don't think that's the case at all, man. I, I, because Dennis Houston also was working with the backups. Like it wasn't like Dennis Houston was your starter. Dennis Houston, Dak like Dak like Jalen. You know what I'm saying? Jalen Tolbert didn't yeah. get any action. You know what I'm saying? Jalen Tober wasn't ready. Dennis Houston just caught balls and was where he needed to be in that offense early on when you didn't have Jalen Tober stepping up. You didn't have James Washington. You didn't have Michael Gallup. All you had was a Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb, and there needed to be somebody else in that stable. So I don't I don't, I don't think Dennis Houston did anything impressive last year, and that's why he got cut. You know, And now he's getting better. But why Dennis Houston on over Jalen Tober? Or Jalen Brooks. Why? Yeah. Um, familiar, um, being very familiar with the offense and the scheme. Even though this is the new scheme, like Jalen Brooks, this is a scheme that Dennis Houston is also already comfortable with, and him already having the chemistry with Dak, going back from um, OTAs and minicamp. He was in the backyard at Dak's house working out with Dak consistently. I think that's a with all the other guys. I think it's a bit overrated. I'm gonna be honest. I, 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 and look, this is me. You are you watch my show. You'll understand, bro. I, yeah. I, I tend to push back a bit here, man. I tend to push back. No, no. I, I, I just, I just I think it. it's a. I think we're overstating this quote unquote chemistry. How many passes have you seen Dak Prescott throw to Dennis Houston this this uh, training camp? I've seen seven based on the um, clips that I've seen through our social media. Okay, so seven. You're saying seven passes. Thrown to Dennis Houston in like fourteen practices. I ain't the great. I, I don't know if I. I don't know if I'd call that, you know, chemistry. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I. I, don't, I think that's a bit overstating that. Um, Jalen Brooks is that's a draft it. pick, right? Jalen Brooks is a draft pick. Jalen Brooks probably can do the special teams things more. Um, he's had a better camp, we right? Right, I think he's had a better camp, but he does have to translate it onto the field. So I agree. Eighty three has had a good camp, and we're great, and I give him no good justice last Saturday. I agree. I I definitely agree there. I said, hey, we're gonna keep our eyes on that one, Dennis. I think Dennis Houston is a sneaky uh, dark horse. 
You know, I'm not, I'm not going to deny is, that. Yeah. I think he's a sneaky dark horse. Uh, but whoo, they love Jalen, brother. They love some Jalen, some Jalen Brooks. It's going to be a fun battle, man. It's going to yeah. be a fun battle. That's for sure, man. I appreciate you having me on your show, man. Yes, sir. Continue to do what you do, man. Continue to grind for the nation. Hashtag new media in the chat yes, room. Let's get it, Cowboy Nation. Stand up, fuck up, and I'm out. We in here, man. New media, baby. Appreciate you. I like it, though. I, I, I like I like it. Because, you know, that's that's a that's a bold prediction. Um, Dennis, I'm not calling Dennis Houston a slouch, by the way. I just think, t- not Tober. I want to say Tober because all these damn Jalen's. Um, I just think Jalen Brooks has had a better camp. Um, Jalen Brooks has the attention of these coaches a little bit more. But Dennis Houston had the better game. There's no doubt about it. Like Dennis Houston had the better game, and he's he literally is more experienced because he, he played last year, so he has a year under his belt. So not as far-fetched. The only reason why I'm kind of pushing back here is because Jalen Tobert, God, Jalen Brooks. Jalen Brooks is a draft pick. They do not like cutting them. Granted, they could be moving different this year. The rooms are different. Um, and and I, I truly do believe they feel like they can get Dennis Houston back on his practice squad. Like, is it far-fetched to think that you can cut Dennis Houston and get him back on the practice squad? And if that's the case, you have the four-year, and this is where kind of contracts come into play. You don't cut your draft pick because you got him for four years at dirt cheap, and, and you bring back your undrafted guy who you don't have four years of control over and put him on the practice squad. Yeah, no, that was that was good stuff there, L. Um, Dennis Houston, do we think he can he can he can get through waivers? Or do you think teams would be like, nah, man, we gotta pick him up? Uh Two Broke says right now Dennis would be the equivalent of of a good hand in wrestling. Good hand in wrestling. Someone who has potential, but right now he's being used to look good against other talent. I like that. See, I like that you know me, man. And you you incorporated those two things. Uh, where'd you go? I just had it here. All as well says there's too many Dennis Houston wide receivers out there on the market. That is kind of what I was looking for. That response. I don't think teams will be clamoring to go get a Dennis Houston because there are a lot of Dennis Houstons out there. I, I mean, I watched a couple of them out there yesterday, last night in that Eagles Browns game. You know. Tino says, yes, he will be back on the practice squad. Danny believes he's getting through. Uh, Myers believes no one will pick him up. Dennis, the new semi. Look, I do like the bold prediction, though. Because, look, what if Dennis goes out there and goes off this game? I think now... I, I do think this is kind of a moving target, though. I do think this is a moving target in the sense of one or two of those guys are probably going to play well enough, but not not good enough to make the roster. So you want to bring them back on the practice squad. I think Dennis Houston is number one, right? And hey, let's bring him back. He's been here before. Uh, we like we like his demeanor, yada, yada, yada. Me personally, I'd like Jalen Moreno Cropper to stick around. I, I just like what his skill set can be. Give him another year on the practice squad, another year around a veteran like uh, Brandon Cook's. And, and next year, if it, if it doesn't work out with the Cavante Turper from a slot standpoint, maybe you he can be your slot, slot guy. So I want to bring back a Jalen Moreno Cropper. How many guys do they carry? How many guys do they carry re- receiver-wise on the practice squad? Because I get those two, right? 
Do you bring back a semi or does semi get picked up by somebody else that might like the potential in the former fifth round pick? But those two dudes to me, yeah, Jalen Moreno Cropper, Dennis Houston, I, I think could be your priority to, to bring back on this practice squad. Good call there, man. Make me think. Uh, Sully, or not Sully, the guru said Brooks plays special teams. That's another reason why I think you got something there. And he has a higher ceiling with the potential. Good stuff, man. Really good stuff today. Let me get to these super chats. Sully says, Dennis, not explosive enough. enough. Cedric Tillman, sure do. Ooh, don't he? Watkins character was looking good out there, too. DTR. Y'all was telling me about DTR during draft season. All right, here we go. Super chats by the bomb squad. By the way, all going towards the PC fund. Super chat. Boom, boom. All right, we got Cowboys Chris. He just dropped 10 to support the channel and the show. Thank you, Cowboy Chris. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Snug X. Super chat. He dropped 10 uh, and said, shout out, shout out my, shout out my Cowboys family. Okay, shout out my Cowboys family every night 11 on YouTube. So that's, okay, yeah, shout out to uh, MCF, my Cowboys family. I remember when I first got on, in fact, one of my, one of my debuts on, on YouTube in general, I think, was the cow, my Cowboys family was involved in that. I was like, me, big game, my Cowboys family. I feel like somebody else was there too. But uh, man, they, I wake up in the middle of the night, pull over my phone, and they are doing Cowboys content. So salute to them. Trill Bill. Super chat. He dropped five and said, do you think that Deuce Vaughn will play the Lance Dunbar role? Very interesting. You bring up that specific name, Trill Bill, because I do not think he is Lance Dunbar. Y'all know I've been saying that for weeks and not months since he was drafted. I do not think Deuce Vaughn is Lance Dunbar. Here's what I mean by that. Lance Dunbar was not as talented of a runner as Deuce Vaughn is, in my opinion. Deuce Vaughn is a running back. I think Lance was a quality receiving back, and that's how he was used, and he was he did it at a high level when injuries didn't bother him. But when you ask Lance Dunbar to do some running back things, that that wasn't his game in the NFL. Might have been his game at Tech, uh, uni, was it, uni, not University of Texas, uh, North Texas. But it, it wasn't in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys. Deuce Vaughn is by far and away a much more talented running back than Lance Dunbar. So, no, I don't think he'll play the Lance Dunbar role. I think he will play the Robin role to Tony Pollard's Batman. I do. But with, with that said, I do think there needs to be kind of a Justice League approach to this thing. Right? I don't think it needs to be a Batman-Robin approach. I think it should be a Justice League approach, meaning that third guy needs to chip in as well. There is no excuse to have politics being played anymore. TP's your guy, worthy of being your guy. Behind that, let's get two dudes incorporated. So if it's if it's uh, Deuce Vaughn getting ten carries that day, and then you got a Rico Gather or Rico Gathers, Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis or whomever it is that they decide to have as your third guy, they get three or four carries because what you need is you need to make sure that TP is ready to go. Come playoff time. You don't want to do to TP 
what you did to Ezekiel Elliott. After 2018, Ezekiel Elliott just kept getting worn down by the end of the season. And by the time you got to the playoffs, no one talks about this. We brought it up one time, and I'm not trying to pile on Zeke. But Ezekiel Elliott became one of the worst running backs performance-wise in the playoffs. This is not some hyperbole. This is not some hyperbole. He's averaged less than three yards per carry over the last four playoff games. We, we, we don't talk about it, but it, it, a lot of it has to do with him being worn down. And a lot of it has to do with, obviously, the game plans and whatnot. But when you got a guy that's worn down like that, it was more imperative to give the ball to a dude like TP because he can break these things off if it wasn't working for you on that day. So don't do to TP what you did to Zeke. That's why you need to have Deuce Vaughn and whoever else is behind him incorporated. This needs to be a Justice League approach, not a Batman Robin approach, in my opinion. Not a Batman Robin approach. All right, that's going to do it, man, for the day. I, I feel like low-key, I could keep going. But it's Friday. I know y'all got some things to do. We got Law Nation coming up here soon. You probably got the Trap House opening up with uh, Land Lord from Alabama, right? So I want y'all to make sure y'all go and support all of our content brothers and sisters out here doing their damn thing. We got a couple more that just dropped in this chat real quick. I got you. I see you. Super chat. Reginald dropped one. Appreciate you, Reg. He dropped 10 and said, I think we will have a better O-line than we all think. The term iron sharpers iron should not be taken lightly this year. TP is going to be a 1,200-yard rusher this season. Agree. Here's why. Here's where I agree. I think we will have a really good starting offensive line. Um, it all depends who and when these guys get injured if it happens uh, and who... It's the depth that's the question. Now, can you mask the deficiency if a Farniak has to go in or Awesome Richards or TJ Bass? Because make no mistake about it, you're, you're going to be worse. But can you mask that with a Tyler Smith and Tyler Smith or Tyler Biotish anchoring them? Can you mask that? So I do think we're going to top 10 offensive line starting wise easily. And TP, 1,200? Yes. Tony Pollard will have another Pro Bowl year and not a popularity Pro Bowl year. He will be a Pro Bowl player. And then our guy, Brother L, our bro. Super chat. Dropped 10 and said, come on, man. Congratulations on the schedule. Now, this is going to keep doing this. Let me just read it from here. Congratulations on the scheduled union with you and your best half, Michelle. Hope the family continues to grow. We working on another one, Studio 2023 or 2024. Yeah, breaking news. Here on the Skywalker show. Not only. It's so funny you're going to put that hashtag there. Is your boy engaged and getting married? But also, another little Skywalker is on the way. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It's so you you funny. You funny, brother. You you kind of knew something was up putting that hashtag there. So um that yes, that is kind of what's been going on over the last few weeks. And and I'll be in and out of certain things. Uh that's why I wasn't on Vacha Show yesterday. And we had some things we had to do. And uh so all those who are parents, all those who have you know are married or are getting married, you understand there are things that go into that. 
So we'll be doing all of these things. So um, yes, indeed. Uh, excited. We definitely were trying to bring another one into this wonderful, beautiful family of mine um, in hours, I should say. So we we are ex- extremely excited. And the way it went down was hilarious. Uh, they, when I say they, my boys also surprised me with the news. And then I surprised her with the proposal. So it was a very emotional day uh, when it went down. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're, we're excited for everything, man. So appreciate all the love from the chat. Sully talking about, I knew it. <laughs> I saw you, Sully. I saw you on the way out. You said blue or pink. We're not sure yet. We're not sure yet. We're very early in the early stages of it. So we're just, you know, praying and hoping for a healthy pregnancy and delivery. I've, I've been on both sides. I've been on a non-healthy one. I've, I've had a, a premature uh, child who was Three months early. That was the scariest time in my life. I call him my my miracle baby because he quite literally uh, was not alive when he was born. He, he was not alive. He, he looked like a Smurf. He was blue. And they was doing all this craziness to him. And that boy, he put out a cry. And man, when I tell you, it, it just felt like I, I don't even, I don't even have the words, man. It was it was it was unbelievable. Um and then I had a, did have a healthy pregnancy and delivery with my youngest. So I've been on both sides of that thing. And I'm just hoping that, you know, it's it's healthy uh, and everything goes well. So we got a long way to go. Got a long way to go. All right. Man, I love y'all. See, this this is this, this is we family. We, we, we can, we can, this is why I can tell y'all these things. Because y'all have, we have built that rapport with each other, man. So appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you, Ms. Sharice. Thank you so much. Um, I was waiting to tell you guys publicly but i thought it was a good time to do it right now man with that said i'm gonna go ahead and press this button indeed it is we out of here cowboys nation when i found out i was like yeah yeah No, sir, Marv. Marv is in charge of the of the after party. Love y'all. Be out of here. Peace. Sky this squabbling is crazy. Y'all need to go on, man. Bob Squad!